0: Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and three whole films, brand new, all on streaming, all available in the comfort of your home, depending on what services you have, available for review this week. But should you watch them is a big question that you will have to ask yourself after hearing these reviews. So without further ado, here's We're Watching What? First up is Malcolm and Marie which came out on Netflix and it stars Zendaya and John David Washington and it's written and directed by Sam Levinson and Sam Levinson is the person who brought Euphoria to the US on HBO. Euphoria is actually based on an Israeli show. I very recently, like in 2021, watched all of Euphoria. I had been avoiding it before because I just found it very stressful and it made me feel very old. But Zendaya is spectacular in Euphoria. And so clearly Sam Levinson knows how to work with Zendaya. And while she gives a spectacular performance in Malcolm and Marie, and I think John David Washington does a good job too, but his character is less relatable for me, I just didn't connect with this movie for, I think, multiple reasons. So the first one is, it felt like watching a couple have an hour and 45 minute long fight. It all takes place, I think the gimmick is it was shot during quarantine, it's in black and white. It all takes place in one, one house that's not really a spoiler it's a couple John David Washington plays a character who's a film director and it's you know the night of the premiere of his feature film and Zendaya is his girlfriend and It was just too inside Hollywood for me which is kind of ironic considering how much I enjoy you know the film industry but sometimes there are these films that just get too obsessed with showing off that hey you know they talk they refer to variety critics not actual critics I assume but the idea of certain variety critics or you know how somebody reacts when a review comes in and these things aren't necessarily relatable to wider audiences. What this really felt like was an opportunity for the actors to have little monologue moments and showcase their talents and have these scenes where you're really Tight and close up on Zendaya's trembling lip, or John David Washington, you know, has this moment of uh, pure, unadulterated, like, cold rage. It's just they're very talented actors, but this does not a movie make. And also, again, it was just uncomfortable to watch a couple fight for an hour and forty-five minutes. Like we're all so stressed out right now. I don't really need this tension to go on for this long. And in that sense, I'm like, okay, well, maybe it was a little successful in that it did feel like a fight between two people who just cannot let go. It's one of the if you've ever had one of these fights, which I definitely have you know it's just like you keep going and you the fight evolves into something that's not about anything at all what you were talking about but then it just feels inauthentic with these moments of Zendaya's character because she is a model slash actress and it, you know acting at him or him just ranting about things about the film industry that it's like again I don't necessarily connect with and then This was the other thing that took me out of it a little bit. And I grapple with this, but Sam Levinson is a white man. You know, there's not anything inherently wrong with that. But you have two black leads and a lot of the dialogue and a lot of the lines in it seem to revolve around the idea of blackness and how uh, John David Washington's characters work, fictional work within it would be interpreted because it's coming from theoretically like a black man. But, you know, he is the mouthpiece for it. But knowing that it's written by a white guy lent it an air of inauthenticity to me and I don't know if that's fair to the film but it's just how I ended up feeling about it and if you the viewer weren't aware of that you might not feel that at all and you might you might feel like oh yes of course he's really getting to the core of what it would probably be like for a black actor or a black filmmaker to put out a film like that and they name check a bunch of like successful current black filmmakers but There was something about it that just took me out of it knowing where it came from and it just felt a little hypocritical to have the monologue about the typecasting of people like men of color written by a white guy. You know it's not that that person can't write it successfully and I think in some senses they did write it successfully but it's just like well then where are the opportunities for the actual black directors? You know like why are they not getting a film deal on Netflix or why don't they have a show on HBO? Is it because they're not good enough or is it just because they haven't been given opportunities? I don't have the answer to that question but I'm often inclined to guess that it is the latter and I would say that goes for all you know people of color and women and women of color you know in the film industry just because it's a predominantly male white led industry so that's a bit meta but because the film itself is about the film industry you know I don't think it's unfair to inject that into this ultimately it was exhausting And I think it's successful in that I'm sure the couple would be exhausted after a fight that lasted that long. But as a viewer, it was also exhausting. And while there are absolutely, you know, beautiful acting scenes in it, I did see the seams of acting in it because partially, again, the setup of the film is that she is an actress. So ultimately, I think my actual recommendation would be to watch Euphoria instead. They also just came out with their um, sort of not holiday, but one that came out over the holidays, but one came out about a week ago it was like the sort of follow-up one-off special episodes that bridge what I assume is between season one and season two. But I mean, Zendaya is just spectacular in that. And that would be my ultimate recommendation. But if you are going to watch Malcolm and Marie, I think there are some strong parts to it, but... Overall, I just felt like it was uneven. Also, I hate in a movie when characters constantly call each other by their first names. Like, I don't know about you, but I am not constantly, especially if I'm only in a house with one person, yelling the other person's name. You know, they're always like, Malcolm, 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 Marie, Marie, Marie. And maybe there are fights that occur between couples that that's how you act and you're doing it as a sort of a dig at the person. But it just started to be a little bit too much for me. So overall, I'm going to give this film... Three out of five. I'm going to take a quick break and be right back. And then the next film I have is called Bliss. And it is a sci-fi-ish film on Amazon Prime. And it stars Owen Wilson and Selma Hayek. And the idea is that it occurs in a world where it's possible that the world that Owen Wilson is occupying is actually a simulation. And it's this sort of run-down, depressing world. And it exists in order to make you appreciate the actual utopia that he actually is living in. I don't want to talk too much about the plot just because it probably would give it away and that's the whole point of the film, but I actually wish it wasn't the whole point of the film because I think the concept is great the concept and this is in the trailers where uh you know where Owen wilson has a daughter in the potentially simulated world and if he were to you know sort of stick back to the utopia world he would give that daughter up and so is that relationship that he's formed in his simulation more powerful than the allure of a quote perfect life but is it a perfect life because it doesn't have that relationship and that love in it I think it would have been a much more interesting film if it spent more time having us question what is real and what is not. Instead, we just kind of get like an off the rail Selma Hayek, who plays his sort of guide through this, and also maybe a creator of it, and all these sorts of things. There was a moment where I was like, "Oh, is Selma Hayek just playing Selma Hayek?" And then when you see her play, you know, the version of her in the Utopia world, and she just completely switches. I was like, "Oh no, okay, she's just she's acting, and she's actually very good at it." And not that you know, I ever questioned that she was a good actress, but given the direction of this film I wanted a more sci-fi reality blending is this actually real is it not elements bleeding into each other all that sort of stuff I don't think I got that I think instead what you get is a very messy film that was a potentially good concept with a poor execution. I think the core elements of it could be there, you know, the whole relationship building stuff, the whole um, appreciating what you have because you've gone through something harder, you know, that we can't, we don't appreciate the good things we have if we don't actually go through strife and know what it's like to experience struggle and things like that on the other side. Like that to me, there's so much to play with there, but I don't think it does it well. I think the thing I liked most about it is that Bill Nye the science guy is in it, just playing a scientist. He's not playing Bill Nye the science guy. And I was like, that's fun, that's a fun cameo. But when that's the biggest takeaway I have from a film, that's not a great sign. I think it had potential. I'm actually not usually a big Owen Wilson fan, but I thought he gave a pretty good performance in this. Again, Salma Hayek did the best she could with what she had, but I'm sorry to say I'm only going to give this one and a half out of five. And then the last film I have this week absolutely breaks my heart. It is Earwig and the Witch, and it breaks my heart in a very bad way. It is the latest from Studio Ghibli, and it is their first 3D animated feature film, and you know... I normally, if you tell me a Ghibli film is coming out, I am overjoyed. I think they create some of the most innovative and beautiful and touching films in animation and in live action. And so I was pretty excited to hear about this. I was a little apprehensive about the 3D part, but ultimately it's really about the story, right? Like that is the most important part of it. And unfortunately, the story here makes no sense and is not exciting and not compelling and there's sort of a, a beautiful whimsy and also darkness to I think the stories that Studio Ghibli usually tells and I ugh, I hate to point this out but so this is from director Goro Miyazaki who is the son of Hayao Miyazaki and Miyazaki, Hayao Miyazaki is the person responsible for like Princess Mononoke and Howl's Moving Castle and just uh, you know some of the greatest animated films I think of all time And so the fact that his son just did not deliver is, you know, and this is not his first animated feature film. Um, His son also did Tales of Earthsea and Up on Poppy Hill. So I wanted to like it. I just, it was not good. It it takes place in the British countryside. And there's a young girl, Earwig, who gets dropped off as an orphan at an orphanage. And then she gets uh, adopted by some very strange characters and wants to learn magic and, It just, I, I'm so sad. I'm, I'm so sad. You know, in addition to all the problems I had with the visual animation and the sort of flatness of it and the styling, like I feel like partially, they were going for a sort of stop motion animated style, but I couldn't tell if my computer was buffering and the fact that, you know, that was questionable to me and and inconsistent is not a good sign. But the, the fact that the story just didn't have any heart to it, you know, it was very, it felt very slapped together. The progression happens very rapidly at the end and it mostly feels like it's just a girl working a bunch of slave work for a witch which is not a fun movie to watch i don't it's just it's it's lacking in whimsy it's lacking in character development it's lacking in visual beauty and it's lacking in joy so it's pretty much lacking in all the things i like in you know studio ghibli films usually Also, I acknowledge that it's a kid's film, but I would say every single Studio Ghibli film I've watched ever has had so much for me to enjoy as an adult. And in fact, you know, there's maybe stuff in some of them that I'm like, that might be a little scary for kids. But uh, this is, you know, family friendly at least. But if I was a parent watching this, I would want to claw my eyeballs out or rip my eardrums out because there's so much screaming, just arbitrary screaming for no reason. I kept having to adjust the sound on my TV. Yeah, I'm I'm really sad to say that I'm only going to give this one out of five. And I feel like, unfortunately, that might even be being generous. That is it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.